Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
is essential. You know, there were a, the story here I'm going to give you. An illustration is there three older gentlemen were taking a walk on a beautiful day, and one remarked to the other, Windy, ain't it? And the second man replied, No, it's Thursday. And the third man chimed in, So am I. Let's go get a soda. You can see the importance there of good communication. It's not only pronouncing and speaking, but it's also listening. You know, often when we talk about uh, communicating, we're generally addressing the idea of what one's speaking to another, but listening is a large part of communicating. We need to learn to be good listeners. Amen? Today we're going to examine the importance of good communication, and we need to learn how to effectively communicate love and affirmation to others. And that's really what it's all about in the Christian faith. Loving and affirming others. You know, we live in such a self-polarizing society. I mean, it's a worldliness that we're born into. I believe it's a part of the fallen nature of man. That self, strong sense of self. Little babies... Uh, many of you that have little babies, little children know that very well. That children are born with such a strong sense of me, 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 I, I, I. And, and really Christianity is a spiritually crucifying walk with God on that very essence that's so much a part of us. It's, it's denying ourselves, crucifying that old man and letting the new come through. Excuse me for a moment. I want to talk today about communication. We're going to go to James chapter 1 today. We'll also be in Ephesians chapter 4 and Romans chapter 12. We're going to look at three distinctive areas as it relates to communicating, being essential. It's very important. And it's emphasized over and over again in the life of a believer. In James chapter 1, beginning at verse 19, we'll see we're told to be a good listener. And I'm not preaching at anyone, so I might say amen. If I am, I'm, I'm preaching at myself as well. Because all of these touch on my own life very strongly. Paul says this, My dear brothers, now who is he talking to? King, King, King James says brethren. Brothers, he's talking to the church, Eleanor, he's right. Take note of this, everyone who, everyone, who's that encompass? All people. I mean, he's not leaving anyone out. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Somebody said, man, preacher, what's that got to do with the family? <laughs> Everything. Somebody said, amen. Amen. Now, I'll tell on myself a little bit here because my kids now are grown and, and uh, even though we still are fathers and still we still have impact, uh, one of my biggest faults or difficulties in my life is the type of personality that I am. I'll just be honest with you. you know, <laughs> Somebody would say, what kind of dad, young man, do you want to be? And then someone would say, what kind of dad was I? You know, and I look back, I, my personality, I, I'm the type of person that 
I consider myself tolerant and mellow to a degree. But when I feel pushed to a certain point, I'm, bomb, I'm like a bomb. I mean, I just go off bombastically. Is that, is that a good thing? No. No, it's not. But uh, as I was a younger man, I was very bomb, <laughs> very bombastic. And you learn through time, uh, you mellow out a little bit. God does work on us. Somebody say amen. amen. And uh, we can't go back and undo the past. We can only work on who we are today. And uh, But that was one of the things that got me. Maybe that's not your deal, uh, but there are other things here we'll read about that, that maybe are things you have to work on in your own life and in your own family. But he tells us here everyone should be quick to listen uh, and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And he tells us why. For man's anger does not what? Bring about the righteous life that God desires. Every time I've gotten angry and allowed it to get the better of me, it's never produced anything good. It's sort of like dropping a bomb on something. What does it do? It just explodes and blows something up. And then you've got more of a mess, more of a problem than you did before you let that anger get the best of you. And God is telling us, don't, don't do that. Now, sometimes, if you're with me now, we have to learn, learn not to be that way. Just, I mean, no, easier said than done sometimes. Amen? Uh, I'm just trying to be real here. But I've seen enough of the damage done by my own anger and my own uh, uh, sinful way, carnal, uh, fleshly way, that I, I know not to do that as much now. Somebody say amen. I, I'm not, not that I'm perfect, but I'm learning. Amen. I'm not what I was. Verse 21, uh, James goes on to say, Therefore get rid of all moral filth and the evil or sin that is so prevalent or that so is so uh, engrafted in us, and humbly accept the word planted in us that we that that very word is what saves us. You hear me say that all the time. Humbly accept the word planted in you. Often when I pray, you hear me say, Lord, let your word plant be planted within us. Now this is here one Bible verse that I use as I, it's not a prayer that I use as a form. It's what I really believe. God's called all of us to be sowers of the seed. And the seed is His Word. And the Word is what is planted in our lives. It's either good ground, stony ground, hard ground, but God wants to plant His Word in us because really it's the Word of God is what will change us. It's what will take root in our lives and produce the results God wants. I, I can't change anyone. I can't even change myself. In other words, but I have to apply His Word to my life just like you do and if I want to see a result. And, but that's why we teach. That's why we preach. Not just because we like to hear ourselves talk, but we want His Word to become effective. And, and He wants that Word planted in us. He says that will uh, save us. What's going to save us from? The anger, the self, the sin that easily comes upon our lives. That's a part of, it, of us. It will actually change us. You know, I think about it for a moment. Uh, when I look at, and, and you deal with people in life, throughout life. 
And I, as a believer, as a Christian, and I believe this is true for all of us, when you're dealing with people, whether it's in your home, on your job, anywhere, in the church, folks are at different places spiritually on different areas of their life. You might still find someone very mature here in this area, and they're, they're very weak over here. You know, it's just what it is. We're all at different. Uh, we all have strengths. We all have weaknesses. But I've learned because of my own weaknesses not to jump on somebody else when I find them in a place of weakness. You understand what I'm saying? Because I needed God's help and grace, and still do, to to get where I need to go. I need His patience and His work with me. And it comes through other people at times. People have been patient with me, kind with me, loving with me. And that helped me to receive the engrafted words so that I could change. And that's what you need to do as well. You work with other people and realize, you know, we're not all where we're supposed to be yet. Amen. We won't be until we get to, to be with the Lord. So, we're looking at these Scriptures as telling us and showing us where we need to be spiritually and what we need not to do. But he tells us to get rid of the moral filth. And the King James said, says superfluity of naughtiness. Explain that one. Now you get rid of that superfluity of naughtiness. That's moral degradation. That's human weakness and sin in our lives. Notice he says, though, therefore each of you, uh, no, therefore you get rid of. How do you get rid of sin in your life? Now remember John, he said, if you say you have no sin, I didn't say it, did I, brother? I'm just quoting it. But if we confess our sin, He, that is Christ, is faithful and just to forgive us, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's the believer. To cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So, as a believer, you have unrighteousness in your life. Amen. I'm just telling you the truth. Okay. You have, in other words, God is light and sin is darkness. Well, in you there is darkness. In me there is darkness. There's also light because He's in me. And that light wants to overcome the darkness in me. But I have a responsibility. This falls under the category of sanctification. It's personal sanctification. We must rid ourselves. And he'll, he'll, we'll go on and see. There's a pretty good laundry list that we need to work on. Amen. Or you can't say amen, say oh me. But we need to work on these things in our life and recognize that, hey, i got some problem areas. Lord, forgive me. How do you do that? Humble yourself. It's called humility. Uh, no one likes to say, I'm dealing with issues in my life. I'm dealing with sin. I'm dealing with rebellion. I'm dealing with anger. I'm dealing with rage. I'm dealing with... Uh, uh, we need to deal with it. I mean, we saw a good example in Sunday school of a young man who did not deal with some anger issues. Turned to rage. Turned to what? Murder. Is that a biblical... Uh, well, you go all the way back to the first murder, Cain. He got angry at God for not accepting His sacrifice, but He didn't obey God. God said, look, do the right thing and I'll accept you. Went out in the field, saw his brother, got angry, killed him. That's why it's important to deal with these things in our lives. 
to to confront and control ourselves, you know, to to be a good listener, slowly speak. We need to engage our brain. Somebody say amen. amen. Too many Christians out there giving other people a piece of their mind. Let me tell you, honey. No, you just better just, just back up. I'll give that girl a piece of my mind. Big mistake. Next thing you know, fists be breaking out. People be flying out of they had a video on YouTube went viral. Did you see the one where the two women were fighting in Walmart, man? And the little baby, little baby was kicking the other woman in the face. Did you see that? Oh my God! Taking up for his mama. Taking up for his mama. But the mama was saying, "Baby, kick her in the face. Baby, kick her in the face." And the little baby was, and a, and a, a man come down the aisle and said, "Don't do that." And he told the man to, you know, to f off. And uh, kept kicking. This is like a five-year-old kid. So how far have we fought? Do we need control? Do we need to apply these principles in our lives? Now, it's just in society. I doubt they were Christian folk or saved folk. But, uh, I mean, I've seen Christian people get pretty uh, pretty hot under the collar. Come on. It's me. It's called flesh. Amen. And uh, really, that's what's on display in the world all the time. But in the church, James is addressing that. And uh, oftentimes, we, 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 we do these things because uh, we, we, we fail to learn self-control. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Amen? We need to engage our brain, our minds, and say, hey, look, let's think about this situation. Let's keep our mouth shut. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just be quiet. I'm talking about in your homes too now. Come on. In your home. Just be quiet. Don't antagonize nobody. Don't set nobody. Somebody say, I know what button to push to get you. Don't push the button. Self-control. Engage your brain and then control your tongue. Amen? What did James also say about the tongue? It's the smallest member of the body, but it can set hell on fire. Isn't that the truth? It's, it's it's like a ship's rudder. You take a mighty ship as big as it is, a little rudder can turn that whole ship around in, in, in different directions. Your tongue can just... My tongue, I know. So we deal with that as communication. If our communication is good, we won't be walking in that way. Amen? Secondly, or to communicate truth with affirmation. Or in other words, to build others up. To affirm them. We'll go to Ephesians 4.24, or 25 rather, and begin there. Here we have the Apostle Paul speaking. He says, Therefore each of you... Who is that again? That includes us all. Each of you must, must, not, not an uh, option, it's an imperative, must put off falsehood and speak truthfully. King James just says stop lying. <laughs> That's pretty plain, right? Stop lying. <laughs> what does he mean by that? I mean, is it, is it just a fabricated lie? That could be, obviously. Yes, we know that as a lie. But a lot of times it's just not owning up to the truth or denying what we're dealing with. Saying, no, I'm fine. I'm good. 
and you know you're not. Come on, that's lying, isn't it? Just as much a lie as it is putting on the false front. Come on, man. Stop lying. Speak truthfully to his neighbor. Who's his? Na- who's our neighbor? Everybody. And now, of course, he's addressing the church, so he's talking about those in the church. But everybody's our neighbor. We're to speak uh, truthfully to our neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Members of one body. Now, I know this is a crazy illustration, but bear with me. Why is he trying to get people in the church to stop dealing falsely with one another, to treat one another right and properly? Because what Paul was trying to get the church to see, and it's it's true today as it was 2,000 years ago, is that we, we're a part of each other. All of us are not, we're not individuals. See, that's again, remember I said we're in a culture of me, me, self, self. We, we have to stop thinking that way as believers. We're a part of a body. He, Christ, is the head of that body. There are no unimportant members in the body. There's no unimportant people in this church. Everyone is vital. You know, I'll tell you, look at your own body. What's your best feature? Look at it. He just, look at, look at this, man. He's, he's, he's popping the guns off me, right? He just didn't even hesitate. He just. Now, look, look what's on his feet, everybody. I mean, you can't see. Look at this, huh? Got these beautiful leather slippers, man. Just look at them. People call him Mr. Fly. But see, underneath that slipper and those black socks, there's a little pinky toe. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, if I went over here and stepped on that, on that pinky toe, what's going to happen? Well, he might break the bicep out over there. That's what he said. But what I'm trying to say is, we tend to think the small things are not as important. Well, you know, you, John, I'm sure you got up in the middle of the night go to the bathroom like me. I know some of us guys do that. And hit your toe on the bed post. Or, I mean, you know you've got a toe when you do that. Okay. <laughs> Have you had a toothache? It's like, oh my Lord, I'm totally miserable. One small member of your body can just wreck your life. I mean, just, you know. Is the toe important? Well, when you hit it and then you go into pain, you realize, yeah, it is. Try walking with a busted up toe, you know, or, or pinky. If you somebody's lifting and you hurt your hand or fingers or try to do your job with the, you realize it's not, you need it all. See, God has all of us are members with different functions to Him. I don't choose the function that I am, where you are, He does. But we're all to come together and to learn what that function is. Amen. So that and if we're in relationship, we belong to one another. Now, I wouldn't get up, neither would Tony or anybody else, and just stand up here and, and start punching myself in the face. Why? It would look pretty stupid, number one. Or what if I decided I'm going to walk 
But this leg said, no, I'm going that way instead. I would look kind of stupid up here, wouldn't I? This eye says, I'm going to look over here. And this one says, I'm going to look over there. I think I want to defecate right now. Everything just did what it wanted to do. I'd be a freak. I'd be. I'd make no sense. You, you would say that's guy's spastic. But one neuron fires to the other, and everything works, and words come out, and and, and we're able to communicate because we're working together. Each member of the body is working on the same circuit, and that's how God wants the church to operate. See, sometimes you ever walk into a church and you got members fighting each other, and you got folks. This one's saying this, the other one's saying that, this one. What is the they see a freak? People are like, oh, that's crazy. God, that's why God wants us all on the same page. We're one body. We're members of another. And when we're allowing his spirit to move through us as a corporate body, the body of Christ, and we're obeying him, amen, then we 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 I mean the devil's scared of that, brother. I tell you, I saw when I saw this past week with the Charleston murders there. Again, I I, I thought, you know, we're, this is just going to be another typical, and maybe that's what it was meant to be. But I tell you what, I saw something in those people that showed me they're real Christians. Yes, they're real people. They're real Christians, and. Because what the devil would mean to bring out hatred and bitterness and anger, that I, I saw, I ain't got to it yet, but that's in Romans when we get there. We're going to see what that church did. And we're commanded to be that way. We're commanded to be that way. And instead of seeing hatred coming out of South Carolina, you saw Christian love. The devil don't want to, he don't want to highlight that. No, they'd rather stir up trouble. You know, that was the guns that did that. That was the Confederate flag that did that. What about the people who forgave the white boy who was crazy and did that? That's Christ. Only Christ could do that. And and, and I was heartened by by that response. But he's telling us here to put away that falsehood. We're members of one body. In your anger. Do not sin. In your anger, do not sin. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. My wife and I decided when we first got married that that's what we were going to do. <laughs> Amen. And we've done that. And I tell you, when we had some knockdown dragouts, she knocked me down, and, and I dragged her out. Okay. <laughs> I never hit my wife. Never did that. Amen. But we, we've had our times, you know, over the years. If you've been married any length of time, you know. You know, it can be tough. But every time when we went to bed, it was always good. It was on good terms. Why does God say that? Don't let the sun go down on your wrath or your anger. That's the very next verse. But what it does is... Anger, anger is what destroys you. The uncontrolled, it, it, 
festers in you. When you allow it to get into your life and you carry it into the next day, just like I gave the illustration of Cain and Abel, Cain took that anger and it just kept growing until it manifested as murder. That's why I said be angry but don't sin. It's one thing to get angry. If you're not angry at that, you should be angry at sin. Now those people in that church that lost loved one, they should be angry. They'd be angry at that young man. But they also, if they're believers, will say, look, I release you. You need to get saved. I'm praying for your soul. There's a difference, amen, between being angry and sinning. Well, we're going to go down there and shoot them down. We're going to go. Does that solve anything? One sin leads to another, and it gets worse. But, as John said, the very next verse, don't give the devil a foothold. Why? Why? You let him, you crack that door and let him in, he's coming all the way in. Isn't he? Coming all the way in. You give him a little piece, and after a while, it just takes over. You give him a thought, the thought becomes a, a sentence, a sentence. Sentence becomes a, a paragraph. The next thing you know, you got a whole rant going on, and then you're acting out, man. Why? He's he's come in. The door's been open. He's come in, and boy, he loves to see anger. Always, there is righteous indignation, and then there's just uncontrollable anger, and there's a big difference. I mean, when we be, when we become angry and we allow ourselves to be consumed just like fire. It just begins to burn. And the more we fuel that, the more it stokes its fire, and the more it becomes uncontrollable. And we we do nothing but destroy, and the devil has his way. How many how many know that when you get angry and you start hollering at somebody, like in your family, you, you, you don't win. But you are winning in your mind. You're justifying why you're saying what you're saying. Correct? And they'll justify why they say what they say. And nobody wins. God is saying, don't, don't sin. Don't sin. You know, sometimes, I'm going to tell you the truth, it's, it's, sometimes it's better just to, just to go ahead and be wrong. Even if you are right. Sometimes it's better to be wrong than to be right. Well, no, I'm going to prove why I'm right. And they're the ones going to have... Now, sometimes better just be wrong. You have to let God deal. Sometimes, you know, just let the Lord handle the situation. It's beyond us. We're not going to win the case in every instance. He goes on and says, do not give the, the devil a foothold because he'll you give him an inch, he'll take a mile. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those who are in need. Now why would he say that to the church? Think about that. Remember, he's talking to brethren, church folk. <laughs> he's addressing the believers. He said, don't, don't steal. Work. 
Do something useful with your hands that you may have something to share with those who are in need. You know, I've been in the church world now for 35 plus years, okay? And I've served in leadership capacity in, in churches for many of those years. And have seen and experienced almost everything, you know, that you can in a church. And, you know, the the, the calling to be uh, in ministry and to be a pastor, you, you love people. You, you really have to love people when they're obedient, when they're disobedient. And not allow someone's disobedience to color your mindset toward them. You understand what I'm saying? Not everybody can do that. It's not just about preaching a word. It's about having a heart. And and I've seen folks who, I'll, I'll be honest with you, and I'm not talking to a few folks right now, but there's been folks, and don't go saying, well, I, I guess it's these people and this people. I've seen folks who come to a service as long as we're serving a meal. If we're not serving a meal, Lord, they ain't not going to be here. I'm, I'm dead serious. I know folks who will come to a church for years and won't put nothing into play. Two dollars, three dollars. You know what I'm saying? That's stealing. Somebody said. Explain that. What do you mean, preacher? Let me explain this. If you come and you, you know, benefit from the church, you you receive from the church not only teaching or instruction, fellowship, food, dinners, and things like that. The others who are giving financially are paying for your way. You're, you're, you're really riding on their coattails. You're not helping with the electric bill or the heat payment or the. Do you see what I'm saying? Um, I've seen people who didn't give, who did give, and began to give more and more. I've seen people change. You know, so that's why I say you don't make judgment. I don't make judgments on people or sit around looking at them. I, I just things you observe over time running a church. I've had people who gave nothing and complained the most. And wanted to say, but I had to evoke James here, well, you know, if you gave something, maybe I can see it your way, but you don't put anything in the plate. Why are you worried about what we buy or don't buy? You know what I'm saying? Now let me give you an example. I talk, we talked about finances last week. As a young Christian, it was hard for me to give. How many have been there? You know, it's kind of hard to give. So when I remember to give five dollars was a big deal. I thought, man, five dollars, that's and I was watching people give twenty, a hundred, I'm like, man. I I couldn't do that. It took me a few years to get to that. You know what I'm saying? It did just automatically happen. I think I'll start to give, and you know, but that's you know that's okay. I, you know what? I, I didn't have nobody come over to me or a preacher say, "Well, you know, you should be doing this or this and this." I know they let me grow and realize. I, I thought, well, I'm missing out on something, man. Maybe I, I am receiving that. I'm here uh, on in services throughout the week and getting blessed. Maybe I should be taking up a place of ownership, you know. And, and you learn, you grow. 
But there are people who will just try to go for a free ride. I mean, we used to call, this is years ago, when I was on a deacon board of another church. But we used to have the, 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 the folks who are here just for the free cheese. Do you know what, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, some, some of y'all might not know, but a lot of churches have what they call WIC programs with the working with the government. And they give away a box of uh, little foods to those who are in need. And there's plenty of people in need, certainly. And church is a good place, outlet, where people can come. But we always had the people who would come just for, because they give you a big block of cheese, sharp cheese, real huge block, government cheese. And uh, we'd have 10 people in the service and 30 people lining up to get the cheese. So the hence, the, 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 they've come for the free cheese, you know. And there are people that are that way. And we would try to encourage them to, hey, would you stay for service? We've got a nice service. We'd like to try to get them to know the Lord, try to get them to... Uh, no, they were just there for the free cheese. You know? I would be kind of embarrassed for that, if you, if you know the truth, to take something from somebody. And that's what Paul's addressing. There are people that way. He's kind of shaming them. You know, I mean, come on, really? Basically, if you've been a, a freeloader, stop being a freeloader and go out and get a job, Paul said. And take some of your money and give it away to somebody that has it. You be a participant in giving, not just watching others in the church give. That's what he's saying. You know. How does that apply in my own life? I'll tell you how. As a young believer, I remember as a young married man, we just uh, had a little baby girl here, uh, working working two jobs, trying to make ends meet, and you know. Uh, I remember folk in the church would come by and give us diapers or give us some formula. Or, hey, we got a couple dresses here for little Naomi. And we were like, I-, I would never ask nobody for nothing. You know what I'm saying? That would be embarrassing to me. I would just no way in the world would I. But folk, evidently, maybe they were that way one time too. I remember some older folk would come by, some of the ladies, some men. They, they just, I had a guy one time called press, you know, $50 in my hand. Here you go, brother, the Lord wants me to give this to you. I had no money to buy gas or nothing. I didn't tell nobody. Well, what is that? That's called people helping. Uh, they, they, they recognize you as a member of the body of themselves, you see, and, and wanting to contribute, wanting to help. Uh, and I, I wish I could say more often, but I've done that as well with other people. You know, say, let's help this person out or try to do this, you know. Um, that's just called being a brother, being a a part of the church. That's what it's really all about. Now, if you advertise that, people will line up outside the door just to get the free, you know. We we had a situation that when I was with Wardensville where we helped some people out with some gas. And uh, folk would be coming to the church <coughs> asking for gas, you know, asking for gas money. We're like, wait a minute. And then the policy, we sat with the pastor in his office and all of the deacon. Well, what do we do? You know, we don't want to be bad to people. We can't just give away money. We're not a bank, you know. Uh, well, if they'll sit through the service, which was an hour and a half, well, back I guess probably two and a half hours, but if you sat through the service, uh, then we'll give you some gas money. And do you know how many people would not sit through a service? So what does that tell you? They didn't need the gas money. They just wanted the gas money. Now, to do that to a a church is, I mean, it's just unconscionable. What Paul's saying is, as Christians, as believers, 
we don't we need to, to do better we need to be better than that uh, and he says that uh, verse 29 do not let any any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth but only what is helpful for building up others according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen in other words speak wholesomely about others in their presence I have, I've had some difficulty with that over the years did you hear what they said about so? You know what soul so was doing. You ever got caught? That's called, what do they call that? Yeah. Well, we're just informing the brethren about the situation. Uh, information, you know. Did you hear what soul was God said, don't do that. What are we to do instead? Build them up. Brother Souls was having a hard time. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for them. It's struggling. Why, why should we do that? How would you want to be treated in a similar situation? Amen? I mean, it's easy to point out people's faults. Come on, man. I think some folk in church think that's one of the gifts of the Spirit. You know, praise God. I, I'm a prophecy, a gift of healing, and I, I'm a fault finder. Glory to God. Can we point one out in you? No, that's not a gift of the Spirit. That's a gift of the devil. Come on. Amen. Unwholesomeness. We're to speak truthfully, but we're to affirm others. We're to lift up others. We're to edify, to build up one another. Amen. And thirdly and lastly, we're to communicate with love. Love. Love covers what? Multitude of sins. Amen. We're not to be pointing sins out. We're we to cover them up. We're to pray for one another. Love one another. And love should be sincere. Here we Romans chapter 12, verse 9. Is it good to hate at any time? Hate. There is a place for hate. There is a place. I'm like you, brother. I said, no, there can't be. Uh, hate, hate must be. There actually is a place for hate. And uh, I think if we look at it in a biblical way, then maybe we can understand how to channel some things. Amen? In Romans 12, verse 9, love must be sincere, Paul says. He says this, hate, hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Well, wow, you know, that's. We all know how to hate. We learned that early on, right? I mean, we come out of the womb standing up and talking back. <laughs> hate. What do you say? Hate what is evil. What's the devil do with things that are evil? He makes it look People love to do. Evil, because evil people call what is evil good. Man, I love it. You know, they'll say, let's go to this orgy over here. That's good. What's the Bible say? All fornicators go out their place in the lake of fire. Let's do this. This is they make it a same-sex marriage and say, hey, all is good. What does the Bible say? That's an abomination. 
hate what is evil, not the person, but the evil, and cling to what is good. See, the enemy wants to redefine. That's the world we live in today. That's the country we live in today. They're trying to redefine everything. And just had a a church applied to the what do they call the honor guard in D.C.? I have a name for that. And the honor guard performed at this church on Father's Day for I don't know how many years. The church applied this year again. It's in the newspaper. For the honor guard to, did you see that, John? To play, and they refused to go to the church. The government wouldn't give them. But where are they playing at? At the gay pride parade in D.C. The honor guard had always been denied to play at the gate. The gate pride, they were saying, always invite, uh, tried to get the honor guard petitioned them to come. And the military said no. The military said yes to gate pride, no to the church. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. I see we have a nation that's calling evil good and good evil. And that's what one of the characteristics the prophet said would be the time of the end. Do you think we're living there? I think we've, I think we've gotten there. Is there a place for hate? I hate sin. I had a fellow tell me one time back when I smoked cigarettes. And he told me, I said, man, brother, i got to quit these cigarettes. I was just saved for a very short period of time. He said, He said, Brother, you gotta hate them things, man. I said, What do you mean? I love them. <laughs> he said, He said, Look what they do to you. Look at and my wife had a grandmother who was alive at that time. And we were visiting her at her house. She used to we used to go over and visit with her and she had this oxygen tank thing and a little tube in her nose and it's pathetic. I mean a woman she would unhook the tank and walk out on the porch, smoke a, a kent. A kent. I was a kent. And then go back and hook the tubes back up. Well we ended up going to the hospital. And she had ended up going to the hospital one night and then have you ever watched somebody suffocate to death? I did. I watched this lovely woman trying to breathe. And uh, I said, I said, Paul, you won't read to you. She couldn't even talk, couldn't catch a breath. I said, Ma, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And I uh, began reading out of Revelation. I began reading about heaven. I said, You can get into heaven right now. Pray with him, ask you to say. I said, let me tell you a little bit about heaven. So I read about heaven, streets of gold. So look where you're going here just, just shortly. And started talking and she was gone. Yeah. I watched somebody. I watched Lester. I'm like, what Lord, please, please. Hate what is evil. Claim the wood is good. Man, I look I, I like 
cigarette package. <laughs> See you. <laughs> I thought, man, I don't want to end up like that. My Lord. But when we look at things like sin, any kind of whatever sin, I mean, I'm talking about unrighteous things, things in our lives, you know, get rid of it. You got uncontrolled anger or bitterness or you like, I oh, remember what that person did. Get rid of that, man. It's only hurting you. Come on, man. And that's what Paul's talking about. Get rid of that stuff. Get rid of sin. Hate the evil. Man, I've seen what unforgiveness does to people years later. Bitterness, unforgiveness. They've got a shell of it. They don't grow spiritually. They just still clinging to something. Like, really? You would let that control your whole life? Years have gone by and you're still at the same spot? The devil defeated you. You should have all kind of fruit in your life. But you're mad. Yeah, I ain't going back to that church. You know, they. they they insulted me one time. You know, I, I mean, really? You won't go to church at all? Well, I've been to five of them, and all five of them insulted me. <laughs> Get over it, honey. <laughs> well, that church just full of all them hypocrites, man. Well, you're one of them. Come on, join us. Glory to God. Why are churches imperfect? Because we're all imperfect. He that is without sin, let him cast. Can you imagine Jesus saying all that stuff before? It would be like, I'd love to just been there, just watching. Wouldn't it have been just a fly on the wall? Lord, we got to stone this woman. She was taken in adultery. We're going to kill her right now. In the Middle East people, they're crazy. Ain't they? they love to viciously kill people. Execute this woman. And Jesus had the right response. I would have added, uh, well, okay. We're going to kill the woman. She couldn't have committed adultery by herself. Let the man step out of the crowd. We're going to kill him too. Come on. <laughs> it's always the woman, you know. Kill her! Poor gal. <laughs> well, they had a terrible article on the child brides over there. Did you see that this morning in uh, Saudi Arabia and all that? It's sad. It's sick. It's sick. Praise God, he's coming back to set up his kingdom. Glory to God. He tells us here in verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. We're to consider each other brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because that's what we are. We have the same Father and we serve Him. We're all members of one another. One body, one family. Honor one another. Be devoted, but yet honor one another above yourselves. Oh, wow. You know, that's not looking down on anybody, is it? God doesn't want anybody doing that. He doesn't want pride. He doesn't want arrogance. He doesn't want that in His church, in His people. We're to look and esteem each better than ourselves. And if we do that, when the unbeliever comes in, what will they see? They'll see something they've never seen. 
and it will touch their lives. It will show them that truly there is a God. When we saw what happened in South Carolina, if you saw, they had a YouTube video on this young man, this young man who, who did a, a, an act of pure evil. And uh, I thought originally, man, the judge must have really stepped out of his bounds to have him address that. I mean, just two days after, that's crazy. I would think, man, at least let it, I would be furious. I, I would think, if that man killed my family, I would. I don't know what Pastor Jerry would say like two days after. I would really believe, I would hope that I could process it to get to the place where I could offer forgiveness. But I mean, we're talking about, this just happened. And these people showed a heart for God. And it was not, well, I better say the right thing. Or they were genuinely realized that they had to release this man. They could not allow anger to destroy their lives. But they asked that he would accept Jesus and get saved. Uh, tremendous. That's putting others before yourself. That's that they, they walking the walk. Now we're talking about a group of people who politically I don't share their views. I don't. But there's a difference between physical and politics and somebody's spirituality that is in a relationship with Christ. These people are for real. And I would only hope that I could do the same thing and show that same spiritual maturity. Be devoted to one another. Never be lacking in zeal. I like that. Stay on fire for God. Oh, hallelujah. Stay enthusiastic about the things of God. Don't let it become mundane. In your own home, in your family, in your marriage, don't be mundane. Keep the zeal. Keep it alive. Keep the fire burning. He says here, uh, keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Because really that's what we're all doing in, in our lives. When we come to church, we're here to, to, to hear His Word, to uh, learn, to apply it to our daily living so that we can grow up into the head who is Christ. And uh, we can walk with Him and, and be effective in this world for the Lord. Be effective as a witness for the Lord. That's why we're here. Amen. And that's uh, when we are walking it out, then people will see. I think the powers that be in South Carolina wanted to see a race war. I really believe that. And uh, they came right out on television, wanted to ban guns, wanted to get the flag, Confederate flag down wanting to stir hatred. And, and you know what? They, they're not going to get their way that way. They're not. They didn't win because they ran up against something that, that Christ was in. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. They picked the wrong crowd. Yes. They did. Now they may have their race war at some point. They may find the right volatile mix, but they, it didn't happen in the church, praise God. And I'm, I'm very uh, uh, grateful for that. It says here, and this is what this church, this group of believers in South Carolina did. It's right out of the Bible, okay? And here we're going to read it. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. They invited this young man in. And the one woman who addressed him, you can look that up on YouTube. It's it's a little chilling. It'll it'll bring a tear to your eye. And the older mother 
said, we invited you in to our Bible study. We, we allowed you to come in and sit with us and be with us. We welcomed you. And you did this evil to us. But like I say to all our guests, well, well, and I'm like, wow, that's, that's, that's amazing. She welcomed they practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Verse 14. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another and do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Don't be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Now that's what these, these people in this church, these believers did in the world we live in today. Someone gunned down your mother or your father, your brother or sister, your friend, in cold blood, and you would approach them and offer them your forgiveness and bless them. Many of them went up to them and said, bless you, young man. May you find the Lord before you you meet Him. Bless you. May you know Jesus. May you repent of your sin and come. I'm blessing you. Right out of the book. Bless those who revile you, who use you, who persecute you. Don't show evil for evil. What's the first reaction of a worldly person? You shot my mother, my wife, whatever, I'm going to kill you. Eye for an eye. What does that reveal? Just the opposite of what this reveals. What did their actions reveal? They're walking the walk. Because you cannot make that up. You can't you can't fake that. Not under those circumstances. You can't fake that. They were trying to do what was right. I mean it was tough, it was hard, but they tried to say what was right, to be biblical. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, verse 18. Or I'm sorry, verse 17. Do not repay anyone with evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. Why? Because the world's looking at you. They're trying, they're going to see what your Christian reaction is. You're the Bible they're reading. If there really is a God, they're going to find out if, if, if you're his people or not. By how you react to situations that you get into. If it's possible. How I many know it's not always possible? <laughs> Sometimes it's just not possible. But if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. That's what the young one man was saying to that young man. He said, look, I, I bless you. Right now, son, I bless you. I hope you repent and find God. You need Christ. He's the only one that can. His blood is what will save you. That's what he said to him. He said, "But you're gonna face the, you're gonna face him in judgment. So I hope you find Jesus. I, I, I bless you." That was it. This young boy just stood there. That's all he could do. But that's spiritual truth being spoken and demonstrated. Don't take revenge. You think about it for a minute. What can man, what can anybody do 
for this young man to pay for what has been done. Can you can you execute him and that's gonna pay that's gonna make it all good? You can't bring one of them nine people back. It's not gonna happen. There's nothing you can do. Will he be executed? Yes, yes, ma'am, because that he of the crime, a capital crime, and he's gonna be punished with a capital crime. But it won't it won't bring it, it won't undo. Justice ultimately lies with who? With God. And you know, as true believers, well, I don't want to see anybody go to hell. That young man is just as lost as anybody else that doesn't know the Lord. I could easily see it anyway, even myself being coming that way if I didn't know the Lord. You know that that, that young man believes he's right? Huh? Yeah, he believes he's right. And... Uh, the problem with human beings, and, and not just him, but all of us, we don't, we cannot see the big picture. He doesn't see the big picture at all. You know, he just sees what he believes is an injustice, and is feeding that, and what he needs the Lord, and and he he ran up against God's people, and they they they, they handled themselves biblically here. He says, on the contrary, look at verse 20. These are difficult things. Why do you think this is in the Bible for a moment? And we're getting ready to close, I promise. Because naturally speaking, we cannot be or do any of these things. It's only through a redeemed person who's yielding himself to God that we can do these things. Look what he says here. Don't take revenge, but leave room for God's wrath. Why? Because God is the one who repays. God is the judge, not, not us. God is the jury and the executioner, not us. And now that's hard for people to take, but it is really... This whole family will live their whole life should the Lord tarry without those loved ones, without justice, even if this young man is executed swiftly. And then... They're going to have to trust that their peace will ultimately be with God, that they'll be reunited with their loved ones one day, and it will all be good. But that takes faith. Amen? And the believer does have faith for that, if they have God in their life. Amen? So don't take revenge. Let God's... It is written, I will repay, saith the Lord. But he says, on the contrary, if your enemy is hungry... Slap him in the head. Is that what it says? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't read that right. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now this young man, again, I'm using this as, and I plan to do this as illustration for this message. This young man came in full of hate. And he lashed out in hate toward this group of people that he called subhuman. Basically, if you read the manifesto, his manifesto, they're just animals. They're not. But the animals stood before him, forgiving him, praying for him, blessing him, 
trying to get him to find God in his life, the young man was just sort of like they were blessing while he came to revive. I could just see spiritually they were pouring hot coals of fire right on top of his head. Here he was calling them an animal. But who was the animal? Who was the civilized, godly? I wonder how he felt if he had the capacity to really feel that. The people he thought were useless and worthless showed a lot more dignity and grace than he did in his violence. Bless, don't revile. We live in a violent world. We really do. We see uh, things going on all over the globe that, that are very disheartening. I mean, beheading people for their faith, child brides, all of this going on, corruption in the land, and people, politicians trying to take advantage of these crises to, to further their own wicked agenda. And yet, you know, God is, is pleading with mankind. I mean, these things are happening in our culture more frequently because we've left Him out. Because we've left Him out. And people begin, they're turning to their own devices, their own way, and all they can see is an eye for an eye. And God says, no, no. Don't be overcome by evil. That's what I believe this government wants. They want people to get angry, like the second video we saw with the, with the preacher. They want you to be angry, and they want to pit one group of people against another. So they can do what they're going to do. Don't be overcome with that. See, don't you watch that show like that fellow said. That's good advice. He said, don't get caught up in the emotion of that. They're going to bombard you day and night with that story. This next week, that's all it's going to be. Next two, three weeks. That's all you're going to see. Unless something bigger happens, you know. Who knows? And what's that going to do to a lot of people? Get them more and more angry. And that's exactly what they want. And what does the Bible tell us? Don't be overcome by evil. But how do you overcome evil? By doing good. By doing good. Communication is, is essential. We can either be heard and understood clearly. I know God's Word is clear. Or we can be misunderstood. I believe that, that our black church brothers in South Carolina put out a very clear message through their actions. And they were heard. I would that we all would be the same and of the same way. And when we talk about family, it's the same thing. Communicating in the home and being... Uh, here on Father's Day, the uh, setting the example and the tone. You know, the family is the very core of God's plan for humanity. That's why it's under such attack by the enemy. If you can destroy the family unit or redefine what it is by some other means other than what God says it is, then you can destroy the human race. Our family is under attack for a reason. God created the family and He has a specific purpose for each family. For you and your family. There, there are things that you can do that no one else can do. And you're designed by God to do just that. And you will, should you serve the Lord. 
Today we've looked at several aspects of, of life from raising godly children last uh, few weeks to last week's uh, making wise financial decisions. Today we're looking at the importance of uh, communication and, and being good believers and good Christians. And uh, hopefully this week you'll ponder these words and ask God to help us to better apply them to our lives. Maybe there's certain issues you're dealing with, uh, whether it be anger, uh, how you speak and how you act or react. I mean, I, I have to look at myself, check myself a lot uh, in those areas. Speech is one of the big ones, especially for me. Uh, how I act or react to different things. And, uh, maybe you will right along with me. We can together say, Lord, help us to, to apply these principles and help us to be the people we, we, we've been called by you to be. Let's stand this with the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.